Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. I want to thank all our listeners out there for tuning in today. Today is our guest day. Normally we have one guest, but today we're blessed to have two guests. Uh, During the first half hour, we're going to have uh, New Zealand-born evangelist, Bible teacher, and uh, just a, a lover of God, Ray Comfort. Uh, and then on the second half of the program, we're going to have Phil Johnson of Grace to You. And so uh, today's topic, we're actually talking about biblical preaching. And the, one of the reasons I was so excited about Ray Comfort joining us today is when I uh, was going through some evangelism training with Leighton Ford, the guy he brought in gave me a tape called Hell's Best Kept Secret. And that changed the way I shared the gospel. And we've been looking at Acts chapter uh, 3, where Peter gives the message uh, to the Jewish people, and he's more of a prosecutor there. And I really learned uh, from this guest today how to use the law. And so uh, I'm so glad to welcome him back to SWAT Radio. Ray, welcome to SWAT Radio again. Ray, are you there? Can you hear me, Ray? Well, I uh, we we uh, we'll try to get him. Tom, see if you can get him on the phone. And I uh, don't know why we're not getting him. Uh, we can hear something there, but uh, anyway, Ray is uh, was born in New Zealand, and he has a ministry called Living Waters. Uh, and for more information, you can go to livingwaters.com. He lives out in California, and he's written books, done a lot of training. And, um, you know, uh, he says his parents put Methodists on his birth certificate, but he was given no religious instruction as a child. And um, he, uh, he has been a guy who has been very influential around the world, In fact, I got a chance to meet him for the very first time in Amsterdam back in the year 2000. And um, he was over there uh, with a lot of other evangelists. Uh, And so he was really good. Is he on the phone, Tom? No? Uh, Let's see. Hold on. Let me see if uh, I can get him in. Hold on just a second. We're trying to get Ray on the phone. Did, did, Did the call drop? I'm just talking to Tom, my producer. I, I can't, I can't tell if he's on the you, phone. You can hear me, right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Is he on? Or yeah, he, he, he's on, he was on the phone, and then uh, the call went away. And, I, and then I put him on. You know, I had him on hold, and I then I went on the phone and talked with him, and he wasn't. Is the line was showing it was live? Yeah, but he wasn't there. Well, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Uh, okay. Let me get him to try. I'm going to, I'm going to text him to recall, uh, because we are not hearing him. I don't know if you can reach him. Can you reach him by phone? If I give you his number, maybe, <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell him to try to call in again. I'll go in there. I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get him to call again. I just texted him to try calling again. Anyway, uh, I played a clip of Ray yesterday. Uh, I played a clip of him, uh, 
where he was sharing an illustration that was very uh, powerful about a parachute and how most people look at the gospel. And so uh, he is, uh, again, from uh, out in uh, Bellflower, California, and uh, he has written books. He's got a, a training series called Way of the Master, uh, and all these resources are available at livingwaters.com. He's got tracks on there, and his tracks are not like any other tracks that uh, uh, I've ever seen. He's got some really good conversation starters on there. One of them's called A Curved Illusion that people really like. Uh, what, what he does is he... When he he uses these tracks and even his conversation is used to let people people tend to be pretty uh, uh, mindful of themselves as far as like thinking they are uh, smarter than they are or when people start saying they don't believe in God uh, and he shows how flawed we are. One of them's called an IQ test triangle. It's really a great <laughs> a great thing to give somebody because uh, when he does those. Uh, he, he gives them to you and you read it, but you read it wrong. You think your brain sees one thing, but it sees another. Um, he, he's got a, a, I don't know if he still has this one I got yesterday or I, I was sharing yesterday called the atheist test, uh, which is a great little track. Um, but a lot of good tracks on his website, livingwaters.com. He's got videos on there for equipping. Uh, he's also, uh, got, like I said, the way of the master. Uh, he's got uh, the evidence study Bible. Ray did one video called um, Evolution versus God. And when he did that video, it was uh, seen by like 4 million people. It's still on YouTube. You can go out there. You can get that on there. And um, so um, it was, uh, Are we, uh, Tom, are we going to be able to get him, you think? We're still looking into it. Uh, okay. So uh, while we're waiting for them to get it figured out, hey, when you get it figured out, just really uh, give me a, let me give me a heads up. I, I'm going to go back to why I wanted Ray on the program. If you remember, we're in Acts chapter 3, and we were looking at Peter's message, and he starts off his message in Acts 3, verses 12 through 18, with his indictment of rejection of Messiah. And... Peter is like a prosecutor bringing charges, and it was um, it was really uh, it, it wasn't anything seeker sensitive about it. Let's just say that the people who heard the message were very convicted because Peter brought it up. That you, I mean, the bad news—you got to have bad news before you have the good news. And what, what I learned from Ray early on. And some of the training things he put out is the law was given to reveal sin. The law was given to reveal sin to us. And, and Ray really does a good job. He's got lots of videos online um, on YouTube where he's interviewing people. And he asks them questions about the Ten Commandments. He asks them, uh, you know, if if they've ever told a lie. And, and they'll say, well, yes. And he says, what does that make you? And it makes you a liar. You know, have you ever stolen anything? Well, what does that make you? It makes a thief. And so he basically gets them in their own words to condemn themselves as being people who are very flawed in need of forgiveness. And so uh, he, he does a really good job with that. And again, he does, he does a video 
on uh, uh, evolution versus God that you can get online. Uh, if you uh, you go to his website, Living Waters, it is a really, really good um, video. Uh, you can watch it on, tube, uh, on YouTube. I encourage you to go to um, his website, oh, and support his ministry because Ray has always been very gracious about his ministry and what he does and who he serves. He is not one of these guys that is in it for money. Uh, he is in it for the kingdom, and uh, he preaches regularly out in California. And uh, what he does is uh, goes to the beach. Uh, no big fanfare. He just goes out and interacts with people and engages people on a personal level. And so uh, he, he's been a great model for ministry and uh, really appreciate uh, what he's done to uh, to serve our king and so I, I see Larry and uh, Tom are trying to work it out in there. Uh, apparently, we are having some phone issues, and I apologize for that because, uh, anyway, 15 minutes with Ray will be better uh, than 30 minutes without. So hopefully they can get that resolved. So say a prayer if you're out there. We get them on here uh, really quick. Um, so the atheist test. Let me go back to his little book, The Atheist Test. Okay. Um, Ray? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. Wow. Okay. So glad to have you on SWAT Radio. Sorry about that uh, difficulties we were having there. I've just been trying to, uh, well, basically I've been hawking your website, <laughs> trying to get everybody to go to go to Evolution versus God and all the, the videos you got on there. But uh, sorry for the technical difficulties, Ray. Uh, thank you for joining SWAT Radio again. And I was sharing could you hear any of the stuff i was saying ray at all no no i couldn't okay what i was saying is leighton ford who's billy graham's brother-in-law uh it was was a trainer of evangelist and evangelistic leaders and when i was going through his training um one of the guys that he brought in to train us in evangelism gave me a tape called hell's best kept secret and it forever changed the way i share the gospel and I had never heard it uh, explained like that. I'd never uh, knew the use of the law like that. And I so appreciate you doing that and the ministry you've given to, to that. That has been, uh, to me, one of your greatest contributions to the kingdom is helping people understand how to, to share the gospel and use the law in the gospel. And, um, and so I appreciate that. And, that's why I wanted you to come on today. We've been talking about Acts chapter 3 and Peter as a prosecutor when he preaches the gospel. And just to start off, Ray, because I've, I've kind of given your background and, and, and your ministry and stuff, can you just kind of share, you've, you've observed many, many years of ministry in the United States. What would you, if, if you were a consultant brought in here to look at the current state of preaching in the church, what would you say overall? You mean nowadays? Yeah, yeah, today, um, in today's. We're hearing, we're hearing a lot of people uh, talk about uh, we're, we're losing the soul of the, the nation. Um, what I think we're losing is just the souls of, of, of people. We've lost sight of our objective as the church. Um, I'm all for politics, voting in righteousness, but that doesn't deal with the problem. When you 
When you bring someone the gospel and they're transformed by the power of the gospel, they become pro-life instantly. They become one man, one woman, and marriage instantly. They're against adultery, against fornication, against uh, blasphemy, lying and stealing, because God's given them a new heart with new desires. That's our objective. We want to prepare people for Judgment Day. We want to warn every man and we present every man perfect, because they have to stand before God on Judgment Day. The contemporary church has lost sight of that. They think that uh, the purpose of the gospel is just to improve our life here on earth. No, it's, uh, it's for the jump to come. It's not for the flight on board the plane. We have to face a holy God on Judgment Day. If we're not perfect morally in his sight, we're going to come under his wrath because he's a just God, and he warns that he'll punish liars and thieves and fornicates and blasphemers and adulterers. That's the reason we need to come to the Savior, and that's what the church has lost. So I would encourage church leaders to read the book of Acts again with that in mind, and then once they see the objective of the church is to share the gospel of everlasting life with a dying world, to go out and, and start playing racquetball with the world. Uh, do something where you mingle with the ungodly and then witness to them and then share it with your church. Because people, once they see their pastor condescends to the lowly task of evangelism, will begin to imitate the pastor. And that's what we need in this nation. We need a transformation by the power of the gospel so this nation can be healed of its sins. Well, that's, man, that's just so true. And I I think of uh, the people, Ray, that are listening that are being told uh, about inclusivity and how do you deal with it? You do such a good job when you interact with people of, of, of making them feel loved and yet you confront them with the truth and, and to watch the videos of you talking to these people. My wife commented the other day, you can see these people swallowing hard. You can see sweat starting to form on them. You can see the, the conviction that's coming um, what what would you say to people out there that that are wrestling with this inclusivity and and this gospel is too narrow, too exclusive, you know, and 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 that message? Well, if you think it's a little bit uh, bitter, water down the medicine, and it's going to lose its curative properties, and that's what we've seen happen uh, in modern history. We've watered down the gospel. We don't talk about sin, righteousness, and judgment. We don't want to offend people. Well, you're going to have them stay with their terminal disease if you water down the message, because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Where's the fear of God if we water down the message? I wouldn't drop anything from the gospel in a presentation. Let me just share something with you that's uh, been life-changing for me. Uh, About two years ago, I found out how to crack an egg. My whole life, I've been cracking eggs the wrong way, on the side of a frying pan. That's a dumb thing to do because there's a membrane inside the shell that God has placed to hold the shell in place. And so if you crack a shell on the edge of a uh, a frying pan, you're going to break that membrane, and you're going to get bits of shell in your egg. And there's nothing quite as exciting as having a piece of shell in your (laughs) omelet. I actually hate it. It just destroys the whole process. And so there is a right way and a wrong way to to crack the hard shell of a sinner. Sinners are hardened against God. Their, their mind is an enmity against God. If you want to do it man's way, go ahead, address the intellect, get an argument, end up being a, a dis, ended up being a distasteful experience. But if you want to do it the right way, just imitate Jesus. Make sure the membrane is kept in place. Appeal to his conscience. And that's all that's happening 
when you see on a YouTube channel, which just passed 155 million views, we're so encouraged and so excited what's going on. But you'll see sinners hold in place. They, they listen to the gospel. They appreciate it. They understand it because we're doing it God's way and not our own way and making a mess of things. Now, that, that video you're talking about, is, are you talking about evolution versus God, or are you talking about a different video? No, it's the videos on our YouTube channel. We put up a new one every day. It's about 2,500 or every second day. 2,500 there, and uh, you just sign up uh, for a, to, get, uh, to subscribe, and uh, we'll send you a new video. Some will be a witness to it. You see atheists backsliding. You see people understanding the gospel. And it's really a wonderful experience and one that will thrill your heart and bring tears to your eyes. But it will also equip you to realize that it's not as hard as what you think. Every human being is the same. You know, we all look different. We're, we're unique, just like everybody else. But God's made us to react the same. We all bleed the same. Every single one of us has something in us that says, oh, I don't want to die. That's our God-given will to live, and that's what I appeal to. I say to people, to begin a conversation, do you think we've an afterlife? And I, the reason I do that is because I'm bringing up the gospel without mentioning God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven, hell, the cross, repentance, anything that's a little bit awkward. I'm just saying, do you think there's an afterlife? Tell me what you believe. Show me where you're at. And people say, yeah, I think there is. And I say, are you afraid of dying? And people go... Yeah, and I know what they're thinking. They're saying, how does this guy know I'm afraid of dying? I haven't told anybody. I don't even think about it myself. It's because I believe Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15, it says every single human being all their lifetime are haunted by the fear of death. And so when I appeal to that, I know I'm appealing to something that's going to make sense to them. They're going to say, yeah, I'm afraid of dying. Is there an answer? And there is an answer in the gospel. Jesus Christ has abolished death, and he'll release us from the fear of death and the power of death if we obey the gospel. And so I'm bringing to them wonderfully good news, and that's why they begin to nod and say, I appreciate you talking to me at the end of conversations that uh, have been a little awkward, but we get through the, the difficult part because we're heading for the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a doctor talking about the disease, which is uncomfortable, and because he wants to share the cure. But we do it because we love them. Wow. Well, well, uh, I want to let our listeners know if they go to livingwaters.com, you can order the basic training course, The Way of the Master, which I've gone through. I've actually trained people in it. It is a great training tool for how to share the gospel with people. And you can go to the website, although it says your basic training course is out of stock right now. Are you expecting that to get back in soon, Ray? It actually shouldn't be saying out of stock. We actually do have a supply, and so as soon as you get off the phone, I'm going to talk to someone about that. <laughs> we, also have the ev- we also have the Evidence Bible, uh, which is a, a, a Bible that can equip you. It's got everything you ever want to know about apologetics and evangelism, uh, wonderful quotes from great men of God in the past, 200 most commonly asked questions of the Christian faith, give you insight on Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Muslims, how to witness to each of them. It's a, it's a, uh, it's about the size of a phone book. If you remember phone books, yeah. Uh, but it will equip you. It's very, very, very popular. Well, it's and commanded and, by uh, Franklin Graham. Oh, okay, and I want to tell people too about this YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube and look for Living Waters and just subscribe to it. And and really, Ray, they're very. It's it, it, if you start watching one, you can't just watch one because you get so enthralled in the people. And one thing my wife commented about is 
you you capture the people who you're interviewing or who you're talking to and they they really do even though they they almost forget their own camera don't they while you're talking to them yeah and some people say sometimes you know they're just reacting like that because they're on camera no they don't they react exactly the same off camera yeah. uh they forget that there's camera there it's only my phone i'm just holding it up and so they don't feel intimidated because it's not like a director and lights and a camera and a microphone and uh yeah the reactions are just wonderful one young guy must have been about 20 I spoke to a while ago. The videos had 1.6 million views, and people in the comments just uh, cried and cried and cried. And it's because when I was sharing the gospel with him, tears started rolling down his cheeks. It was very, very moving. His name is Mario. And uh, to see things like that is just awesome, and it's unique. You don't see things like that. Maybe in movies some actor can make himself cry, mm-hmm. but not... Uh, real life under the sound of the gospel so it's a very moving experience and it's equipping to realize that everyone reacts the same um ray i since i have you on here today i do want to ask you about evolution versus god because my wife and i watched it the other night and the the professors you were talking to and the 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 students who were all these physicists and other people one of the things that struck me is how blindly people follow things that they don't even really logically think through, which is, <laughs> I mean, what we see a lot of going on in our culture today. Could you speak a little bit about that video uh, and kind of tell listeners what what you did with that, what 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 that's about? Yeah, I, uh, I keep getting accused of not understanding evolution because I said it's a it's just a fairy tale for grown-ups. There's no, there's no um, scientific evidence to back it up. It's obviously by blind faith. And people would say, you don't know what you're talking about. You always talk to dummies on the street. You know, I've seen experts. So I went and saw experts. I went to four evolutionary scientists, professors at UCLA and USC, and I challenged them and said, give me scientific evidence for evolution. And they couldn't do it. One of them was, uh, you watch his cheek, or it was in a room like you wouldn't believe. My hand was shaking with fear and with nerves. I was just hoping that the camera wouldn't shake when I was, when I was filming. But um, it, it, it could, none of them could respond with any scientific evidence. It's obviously by blind faith because you can't observe evolution. It happened 16 million or 16 billion, I don't know where they make up these numbers from, years ago. So you can't observe something that happened so long ago. So it's obviously by blind faith. And when it comes down to it, um, they accuse us of believing in God with blind faith, and it's not true. Well, I don't believe in God. I, I, I know God exists, and it sounds arrogant. But if I look at a building, I don't believe there was a builder. I know there was a builder because I know buildings don't build themselves. The building is absolute scientific proof there was a builder. When I look at a painting, I don't believe there was a painter. I know there was a painter. Because paintings don't paint themselves. A painting is absolute evidence that painting existed, even if he died 300 years ago. And exactly the same applies with creation. Creation tells us there's a creator. I don't believe in God intellectually. I know he exists because it's scientifically impossible for nature or creation to make itself. But when it comes to believing in God, having faith in God, that's a different story. I'll say to people, do you have faith in God? They say, no, I have trouble with that. So you have faith in your mother. Oh, yes, I trust my mother. So what say I said to you, I don't have faith in your mother. What does that say about your mother? You say, well, that's an insult. You're thinking she's a liar and she's not worth trusting. 
That's right. And your lack of faith in God, trusting his integrity and his character, shows that you're giving a gross insult to God by calling him a liar and saying he's not worth trusting. And so Jesus commanded, have faith in God. And that's what we've got to show them. If they don't trust God, they'll never have a relationship with him. It's the same with any human being. If you say to your girlfriend, don't trust her, honey, then it's all over. Say to your mother, don't trust you. You're kind of going to get yourself in trouble. And so if you don't trust God, you're in trouble with him right from the beginning. Mm. Trust him with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. And the reason we trust him is because that's the means of exchange between man and God. If you go into a store and say, like that, flat screen TV, here are ten stones that got off the road, they're not going to say, hey, we're not talking turkey with us, that's not the means of exchange, they want money. You get out a hundred, hundred dollar bills, ten of them, put them on the counter, then you're talking turkey, because the means of exchange between you and the store is currency, it's money. And the means of exchange between God and man is trust, faith. Uh, and that's the same with nations. Same when you get on a plane, you trust the pilot with your life, you trust the doctor with your life, you say, I'll take these pills, doctor, and slow. You trust them. How much more should we trust a faithful creator? Mm, that's so true and so good, Ray. Well, listen, we're we're down. Uh, our, our, we're coming up to our news break, and I know you got to run, and we got another guest coming in. But I have to ask you well, one question: uh, the atheist test. Are you going to reprint that? I love that booklet. <laughs> oh, the little booklet with the banana analogy at the beginning. Yeah, the the, the atheist <laughs> test about the Big Bang of Coca Cola and. That is one of my favorite tracks that you put out. I don't find it on your website, and I want you to reprint it for me. So. It is actually there, but it's in cartoon form now. It's not in booklet form. It's in cartoon form. But oh. It's still called The Atheist Test. Okay. I'll, I will find it then. Hey, listen, there are lots of good tracks on there. And uh, as we go off, Ray, I want to read this to you. I got this from a university uh, professor here in town. I wanted to let you know, Ray, that I appreciate all that you do and post on YouTube. I've seen a quite few of your videos. I find them inspiring. I've used them to uh, your gospel sharing methods. I've also shared your videos with students. God has used you in a mighty way, and I wanted to thank you for your faithfulness to the gospel and the example that you set. It has really helped me in sharing the gospel. Ray, that's that's making an impact. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for what you do, brother. Oh, thanks for sharing. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you can go to Living Waters livingwaters.com and order his tracks you can get books you can get that bible the evidence study bible you can uh, get videos there and go to his youtube channel living waters on youtube we're going to be right back with phil johnson of grace to you on swat radio Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be Hey, it's Doug McCary from SWAT Radio. Welcome back to all our listeners in Virginia, Mississippi, here in Florida and up in Georgia and out west, wherever you are listening, whether you're listening on the SWAT Radio app, whether you're listening uh, through the Internet. Hey, sorry about that. I, I found out Ray Ray actually took a call. He had a call that was about, it was a serious call uh, related to some, somebody in his family, something you know, that he had to deal with, and that was the problem. So, Tom, it wasn't on you at all. 
So Tom is uh, out of that. It was uh, Ray, but still good stuff. Again, I wanted to give you those uh, websites, uh, livingwaters.com. You can go there for resources. And you can also go to um, to his YouTube channel, and uh, that's Living Waters as well. Hey, uh, folks, we are real excited to have uh, Phil Johnson from Grace to You with us today. Phil um, is the executive director of Grace to You. He is a great preacher. He's got blogs and all kinds of stuff, and I wanted to uh, get him on pretty quick to talk about the current state of preaching. He has been very involved. He is uh, at Grace Church out there in California with John MacArthur. He and John have been working together for, gosh, uh, a long time. I'll let him tell you exactly how long. But, Phil, welcome back to SWAT Radio. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's so good. I, You know, my wife and I saw you do a um, saw you do a, a bit with, uh, not a bit, but a, an interview with uh, Justin Peters, uh, like an hour-long thing. It was awesome. Uh, and I just appreciate oh, you. your availability, Phil. You, you're, you're very available to talk about things of the kingdom. And I, I know your schedule is fairly hectic with John and uh, Grace to you, especially lately. You guys have had a lot going on out there, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. You know, when the quarantine started a year ago today, I thought, well, good, this will give me uh, a, a way to clear my calendar, catch up on my email and everything, and it's actually had the opposite effect. I'm further behind now than I was when the quarantine started. Yeah, it's crazy. How Hey, how long have you and uh, John MacArthur been working together? Since Well, we started working together when I was uh, editor at Moody Press. I, I edited some of his books. That's been 40 years ago, 1981. Wow. And, you know, uh, and you- then I came here came here in, to California in 1983, so I've been here 38 years. You know, I have conversations with people uh, about John, and I know John, there's a lot of people that have, have slandered John and tried to hurt John's ministry, but that brother has faithfully been preaching the Word of God for a long time, and nobody probably knows him as well as you. And I, Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I... I heard you say when you were talking to Justin Peters about him that he is a man of integrity. He is a man who has has really lived out a gospel-centered life. And not, not perfect, That's, he's human and flawed, but you said he is a man of integrity. And I just want our listeners to hear that coming from somebody who knows him very well. Yeah, that's right. He is uh, almost supernaturally disciplined. I, I don't know how anyone can stay as focused and on target as he does with with things. I mean, even even when I've traveled with him, if he's editing a book, he'll he'll work on that book until he has to get up and speak, uh, and then he comes right back and and begins working on it again. I, I can't do that. My attention span won't allow me to to be quite that focused <laughs> a break from time to time but he is extremely disciplined and you know i think the secret to his preaching ministry over the years has been the hours of study that he's done in private mm-hmm. well you know um phil that's one of the reasons i wanted you to come on today and i appreciate you coming on kind of a uh, short notice to come on and address this issue we've been in acts um, and because of the influence of, of you guys, um, what we do at SWAT Bible studies around town 
is we teach verse by verse. And then on the radio the week after, we kind of go through that. We don't play them taped. We do it live, me and another guy, and we talk about it. And last week, we were in Acts 3, Peter's message. And I was an FBI agent, and uh, he was like a prosecutor, man. When he was giving that message there, it is very different from you hear, what you hear in most pulpits today or in most evangelistic outreaches today. Uh, John yeah. is one of the few guys I, I know and hear preach like that, like you feel that same thing. Could you speak to that a little bit about the state of preaching in our country of the gospel and God's word? Yeah, there are a few things, I think, that have hampered evangelical preaching for probably a 100 years or longer. You, you, you go back to Spurgeon's time and listen to the criticisms he had of uh, the state of preaching in England at the time, uh, and and everything he said was right on target and is true today. Uh, and I would say probably the, the core problem is uh, a tendency, I think, among preachers to think that somehow it's their job to uh, entertain people with something that's novel and new, when in fact what we're supposed to be doing is teaching people truths that are timeless. Mm -hmm. Uh, The task is not to be creative. Uh, There are times when creativity may help and enhance your your preaching, but that's not the goal. The goal is to, to give the Word of God to people in a way that they can understand what it means, and do that without messing it up or, or uh, over-contextualizing it so that, in essence, you lose the center of what God was trying to say in favor of something that you're trying to make culturally relevant or uh, politically correct or, or whatever. And, and that, that attitude that uh, we have to stay in step with our culture or we're going to lose the next generation has been a persistent theme among evangelicals since literally Spurgeon's time. And it's the reason so many churches and denominations and schools have have failed and gone towards liberalism or abandoned their commitment to the authority of Scripture. Because if you think you have to keep coming up with something new, you are going to move away from Scripture. Yeah, and, I, you know, uh, that being said, are, are you – and I, I do follow you on Twitter, by the way. I, I appreciate your tweets. Uh, not not a lot of guys who do what you do do that. I, I don't even do that that well. But you are pretty good at putting stuff out there. Are you starting to see even people who have been fairly, I would say, conservative or more focused on biblical preaching starting to drift a little bit and get sucked up into wokeism and all the – this critical theory yeah, and everything. Yeah, no question about it. There, there are uh, many who, who, to whom that's happening, and they are voices that you wouldn't have expected maybe to to get on the next big bandwagon. But uh, I think it was John MacArthur who said that this this drift towards wokeism and critical theory is perhaps the biggest danger he's seen to the clarity of the gospel in all the years he's been in ministry. And, and I understand what he means because. It it uh, it's it's so magnetic to people who desperately want to you know be in step with the times and this is what's politically correct and it has it has ideas that sound like maybe they're arguing for biblical principles justice but it's not justice it's social justice 
which uh, means something entirely different from biblical justice. We've written several articles on that. So, Well, um, and you, you recently, I, I don't know how long ago, you recommended Daryl Harrison to us. Um, and, yes. and Daryl has been our guest. In fact, he's going to be our guest in two weeks, him and Virgil, on, uh, on talking about critical theory. But it, it was so important. I mean, he, he does such a good job on staying focused on the Bible. Uh, how, how do you see going forward with you guys there? I mean, one of the things I like about what y'all do with Grace to You and, and what you're talking about even now is you can listen to a message from John MacArthur for 1975, and it's as relevant today because it doesn't, it's not nuanced by our culture. It has it is really no. not geared to what's going on right now. It's geared to what the Bible says. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and that's so important. Uh, again, going back to Spurgeon, uh, at, towards the end of his ministry, you know, he 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 died in the midst of controversy, the downgrade controversy, it was called, and um, the majority opinion, I think, among English evangelicals. Uh, in the last decade of Spurgeon's life, was that Spurgeon was sort of old-fashioned, a dinosaur, irrelevant, uh, and that there were younger or or more hip preachers. They didn't use that expression, of course, but stylish, uh, stylish preachers who were staying in step with the times better. Among those, the best known of those was uh, Joseph Parker. He's famous for the Parker People's Bible. That was the set of books he wrote. And um, he was he was more in tune with his times than Spurgeon. They were roughly the same age, but but um, Parker made an effort to sort of follow styles. Spurgeon was opposed to going to the theater. Parker hung out there, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, it, it, they said Spurgeon, it's all the old doctrines, same things that we've always heard. Parker's more creative. But here we are, 120 years later, and people still read Spurgeon's sermons. I don't know of anyone who looks up what Joseph Parker had to say while he's preparing a sermon, because he was a product of his times, and now he's outdated. And that's the problem with that. You see the same thing, I think, with J. Vernon McGee, who uh, who died more than 25 years ago, I think. And uh, he's still on the radio. Uh, so they're broadcasting messages that he gave in the 50s and 60s, and because he just stuck with what Scripture says, they're just as relevant today as they were then. Uh, and I think I think McGee will be on the radio, you know, longer than I'm alive. Uh, and I think it's the same thing with John MacArthur, because he basically just opens the text and does biblical exposition. He doesn't try to draw in themes from whatever the latest popular movie is or, or, or any of that. If he has to illustrate a point, he'll illustrate it with Scripture. And that will be just as relevant a hundred years from now as it is today. And I think people will still be listening to John MacArthur's sermons a hundred years from now if the Lord doesn't return first. Yeah, I I think so, too. I I think McGee died like 32, 33 years ago, and it is funny. I mean, he's still on the radio. Some people think he's alive. They don't even know he's dead, you know, because— Yeah, well, in fact, his his ministry has grown— since he died, I think their annual budget now is at least 10 times what it was in the year he died. Well, are you still maintaining the uh, Romans45.org website of Spurgeon? Is that, are you still, yes. is that still up? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, uh, Romans45.org 
Uh, and that will take you to a page that has some icons. You look for the Spurgeon picture, click on it. What that is is I've preserved my old website that was called the Spurgeon Archive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was my original goal was to put all of Spurgeon's sermons online, and it just was too big a project at the at the rate I was going. I wouldn't have finished it in my lifetime. So when Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary opened the Spurgeon Library there, they they own actually Spurgeon's books, his personal library, mm-hmm. and they're on display there in Kansas City, and they had a website in connection with it. I just donated them all the sermons that I had. They've reformatted them so they look better than my website did. <laughs> but, uh, but what I've preserved are, is... Uh, uh, pretty much everything I had online up till about 2015 or thereabout. And uh, so it's all the indexes to all of Spurgeon's sermons. You can easily uh, do searches on Scripture, topics, dates, find out what Spurgeon preached and when. And I would, I would guess I have about a third of the complete collection of his sermons online at, there. And if I don't have it there, you can probably find it at... Spurgeon.org, which is the Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Well, you even got – I'm on that site now, and and John even um, talks about the downgrade controversy on there. You've got that on there, and and you've got daily devotions from Spurgeon, and you've got somebody – he says you can actually listen to his sermons. Uh, I don't know – that that's just somebody reading them. Is that right, or is that or is that? It is. It is. I don't. I don't typically listen to those because uh, they're they're read, and you can tell they're reading. And I just think Spurgeon probably would have delivered <laughs> yeah. his sermons with a lot more passion and volume than than anyone who who is imitating him could do. Yeah. So I prefer to read Spurgeon myself. Well, um, Phil, we, we've got about 10 minutes left, and I, I just I want to keep going back to this preaching thing because, as I, I mean, you, you guys live in California, and you are there. You're dealing with uh, everything that's been going on with COVID. You're dealing with everything that's going on with the, the racial and ethnic prejudice stuff. And John just continues to preach the Bible unapologetically, and speak truthfully, and I pr- I just want to give you feedback because you're still an elder at the church, right? Yes. Okay. Just feedback from people in Florida. <laughs> we we have an open state, and we've not been as bold as y'all have been, and it, it's really sad to me in a lot of ways because you guys have been very bold, and I hope you'll go back to your elders and and thank them from the people here who have been influenced by y'all's stand. And cuz I know you I get a lot that. of you get a lot of grief, but we we live in an open state. Our governor is, you know, caught a lot of grief for that, but we still have a lot of churches that don't do what y'all do and and it's been inspiring to watch. My wife and I watch y'all services and we feel like we're part of that family even though we're not there. We love to to be ministered to by your church it's a great well, we are part of the church we're part of y'all we're just in a different part of the country so <laughs> yeah thank you it's been a it's been an interesting year where if you look at all the hardships and the lockdown and the and the government opposition to our church meeting you would think this has probably been 
the hardest year in the history of Grace Church. And in, in, from a human level, I think that's true. But uh, it's also been the most blessed year, I think. Uh, the, the church is as vibrant, and John's preaching is as good as it's ever been. We've actually grown in the midst of... We've added so many new people who have come because uh, around the community, the churches are shut down. People say, our church won't open. We can't meet. And so they've been coming to Grace. And uh, the spirit around our church on Sundays is just unbelievably a blessing. Well, it, it really hasn't It hasn't been a drudgery for us. It's been a joy. I, I, I just uh, appreciate so much y'all stand. Are y'all still, because I get asked this a lot, are y'all being fined every week for meeting still by the state? I, I think so, but uh, uh, I actually don't know for sure. We have an elders meeting tonight. I'll ask that question. <laughs> for weeks and weeks, they they were just assessing a $1,000 fine every week when we met, and the church pays that fine. It goes into an escrow account, and uh, right now the the case is pending in court whether the constitutional right to assemble and worship protects us in what we're doing. And ultimately, I think that trial will go all the way to the Supreme Court, and that, that, that'll probably be a two-year process. At the end of it, I think if the Church wins the case, they'll, they'll get all those fines back. But even so, $1,000 a week is a small price to pay to be able to gather with the people of God and worship as we do, and it's been great. Well, uh, we have actually, you know, we, we were talking at one time to um, to Michelle over at Ambassador about having John on to talk about the Legacy Bible, and he had told her he would do it, um, but then COVID hit, <laughs> and then that right. all just everything, you, know, you, you guys were going through all that. Tell us a little bit about the Legacy Bible, because I was really excited to hear John read from it a few weeks ago. And it was yes. powerful. Could you just tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? Yes, and we just got the first copies of the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs in a really sweet sort of pocket-sized leather binding. If you send me send me your address when we're off, and I'll send you a copy because we have a few of them. But um, it, it it here's what happened: the um, Lockman Foundation, who owns the rights to the New American Standard Bible decided to do an updated version uh, for 2021, I think, or maybe 2020 they released it, uh, where they modified some things. And, of course, John MacArthur has been preaching out of the New American Standard version since he started working on the commentary series for Moody Press back in 1981. And um, so he's accustomed to and loves the... uh, the New American Standard in, in its sort of original form, with a few exceptions. There, there are some things in it that I think he, he would have liked to see translated differently, but the new update to the New American Standard was so radically different that he said, look, can, can, we, can we do some modifications to the classic 1995 edition of New American Standard? And that turned into a project where they basically reworked through the entire translation, and they're going to name it the Legacy Standard Bible, LSB. So the Lockman Foundation will own it, 
and we expect the complete Bible to be released by the end of the year. It aims to be a more literal translation of the Hebrew and Greek than most modern translations. The the problem with modern translations, the plethora of them, and they keep being revised, is that, again, the attempt is to keep up with the times, to, to make it as... Uh, to make as much use of contemporary vernacular as possible. And in in recent years, of course, that has included um, getting rid of gender specificity in certain places, where it says man, uh, the modern translations sometimes say person, uh, and things like that. So the LSB is attempting to be more word-for-word literal, uh, which... uh, you know, since since it's the words that are inspired, we think that's a more helpful w- way to study the text. Well, one of the things that I was excited about, oh, is he, and this is what he read on Sunday, was where it says Yahweh in the Hebrew, that's what's going to be translated in this Bible instead of, yes. uh, instead of uh, Adonai or Lord. Lord. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited about that component. Yes. I love that, too. Uh, you know, the, the King James and other translations have always said Lord rather than Yahweh, but they've signified the fact that this is Yahweh as opposed, as, as, as opposed to Adonai, because where it's Yahweh in the original, it's uh, capital letter and small caps, Lord. Mm-hmm. If it's just regular capital L and lowercase O-R-D, that signifies it's Adonai. Uh, in this one, they're going to stick with Yahweh because that is that is what God says His name is, and and to translate it at, as Lord, uh, there's a long history in that. So it's not like that's theological error or anything, but uh, but but it it sort of changes the the way you read it, I think. Yeah, and you know, uh, Phil, but, uh, we we've got we've got about three or four minutes left, so I want to try to rip through a couple of things really quick. One. You know, John MacArthur wrote a book called Slave, and one of the things about the new translation is he's using slave where it's supposed to be used because of the context of that word. And I know some people have given him blowback on that, but John MacArthur, what a lot of people don't know is John MacArthur was preaching down. I grew up in Mississippi. I grew up not far from where those civil rights workers were killed uh, back in the 60s. Well, John went down there and was preaching during that time with a guy named John Perkins, I think, if my memory's right. And, yeah, uh, that's right. And uh, he was with Medgar Evers, I think, and he was who was who was later killed down there. And uh, I think he went to Memphis up there. I don't know if he was with Dr. King, but I, I John was very much preaching the gospel in the midst of that as well and not allowing some of that other stuff to keep him from doing that either. Uh, and so I, I, could you speak one minute on that, just because I know that he gets blowback yeah. on that. Yeah, in fact, Grace Church is, of course, the first church John MacArthur ever pastored. Prior to that, he was a conference speaker and a sort of itinerant evangelist. And uh, so the year before he came to Grace Church, 1969, uh, the summer of 1968, he spent that summer uh, with John Perkins touring the South, preaching mostly in uh, black high schools and and other back when schools were segregated, yeah. um, and the goal was to take the gospel to the black community. 
and um, spent the summer doing that. That was the summer that Martin Luther King was killed, so it was a volatile time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were, as you recall, riots and lots of demonstrations and all of that. In the midst of that, uh, John and a team of uh, young people were traveling with John Perkins, preaching the gospel. Which was dangerous at that time <laughs> in it some was. of those places. In fact, John talks, about, John talks about being arrested in Mendenhall, Mississippi. Uh, I, he, he recently gave me the details of that. Or, uh, and also a, a, a man who was uh, one of the students traveling with him at the time, uh, that he was pulled over because uh, the local sheriff saw these white students with a black guy and pulled him over. And John was driving, and he had left his wallet at home, so he didn't have his wallet. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, the, sheriff, uh, the sheriff said, that's okay, whatever money you've got, I'll take it. And I think they actually took him to the jail, uh, as I understand it. I, I need to find out. You need to the, find that out and write that up. That'd be a good, a good article to write on, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, well, hey, Phil, well, our our time is up. Uh, I mean, we're at the end of the program, but I I wanted to ask you one thing more before we go. We got one minute. Uh, what what is what is the probably the biggest lesson you've learned from John about preaching over the forty year time you've been with him? You know, it boils down to pretty much what I what I was saying earlier that the goal of the preacher is not to entertain or impress or or dazzle people with new things, but to open the the text of scripture and explain it. And uh, the best way to do that is explain scripture with scripture. And uh, I think the the impact that John had on my own preaching, the thing that I think probably has helped my preaching more than anything else. Uh, was to see uh, that when you study Scripture, it's always a valuable exercise to trace the cross-references. Oh, yeah. Wherever there's a concept in Scripture, it rarely is there just one verse that talks about this. So whatever the subject of your text is, you, you need to trace that subject through all of Scripture and give a, a, a full, well-rounded uh, understanding of it. Hey, and that hey. kind of teaching is compelling. Yeah, well, Phil, thank you. Hey, we got to run. Grace to you, gty.org. We'll be back tomorrow on SWAT Radio. SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual.